Hello, everyone. Welcome to Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. Today we are celebrating our 100th episode, guys. We've been through this a hundred times. Wow, yeah. A hundred times. Um, in person, in, in, a, in a garage, in a sun porch, in a basement, on Zoom. In a dining room. In a dining room. <laughs> all over the place. I think we did one in a living room. We, yeah, we did one on... on uh, Me and Jeff were outside once. Well, yeah. yeah. That's where we played... We uh, did outside... Go-Go's or Bangles. That's... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We had another outside one. Remember when we had Laura on from yeah. the podcast? And you know what else? Laura May, Jeff's, <laughs> Jeff's how do you, sister. How do you pronounce lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase? You know. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone knows I'm a master um, impressionist. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, we have a fun and exciting show. Uh, Roy, uh, our good friend Roy Hool, joins us again on the podcast. That'll come a little bit later. Push your glasses down, Lou. Are they a little bit there you go. undone? You go. Push them down so you, look like, so you look like Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> You're good now. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. I call that the Chuck Schumer. Gryffindor House. No. Oh, oh, that's original oh, original Dumbledore. Original he's, he's my okay. he's my Dumbledore. Four hundred points. <laughs> <laughs> Gryffindor House. The poor old wheezing man. Oh. Um, rest in peace, by the way, to, to, to the OG Dumbledore. Anyway, this is a music podcast, not a movie podcast. Not um, yet. So we're gonna hit you. Yeah, right. We're gonna hit you uh, with a music review and a sort of revisited that we had talked about before. So why don't we get this party started. (laughs) (laughs) Have we had the theme song for all 100 episodes? Yes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No. No, No, but it's on every episode now. Like, I went in and I I put it in. I got two good ones. You know what I really wanted to do? Because uh, people will be able to tell by the title, because this episode, later on, Roy is going to be in and uh, talking about festivals and stuff. I, I I thought about at the end, where we go, ah, I, was, I didn't get to it, but I wanted to like record myself over and over and over again and tag it out at the end and say, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> I didn't get the chance to. Or well, if we did a jam band version of the... Of the of thank the, you, Jerry. Uh, we'll have to retool it. We'll have to... Yeah. Get in. Get up. Oh, before get we, up before, we, before we really get into yeah, what we got into, please. I shared uh, with these guys. I've been getting advertised this record on Instagram for a couple weeks now. It's a uh, Bobby Ramone. Look it up on um, your Spotify, and it is Ramones type songs with Bob Marley lyric samples over it. Um, mm. So you get like get up, stand up done in a Ramon style. It's like get up, stand up. It's really but it's weird. Bob Marley himself, right? It they is like literally is this authorized. Probably not. It's I was trying. I was so trying, check it out before it gets yanked. I was down. trying to figure out if it was authorized. I couldn't see anything because the Bob Marley estate is like really legit and yeah, has a bunch yeah. of um, yeah. Oh, yeah. hands and everything. I couldn't find anything that was saying this was legit, but it is hilarious. Um, check out Bobby Ramone. Everybody here like was like <laughs> laughing pretty hysterically at everyone I played. Each one got more ridiculous than the next. Yeah. Um, jamming was my favorite. Yeah. So um, check, so check that, that out. out. Bobby Ramone. I'll, I'll try to find it and link it if I can. If I can. So um, we were scanning what we were going to talk about in terms of album reviews. You know, there was kind of slim pickings this upcoming week. Uh, so one of the bands we thought that we would review is is uh the band mama they are from calabasas california um they are comprised of 
pretty much the the two main drivers of this band are uh oh man why can't i read my writing we have <laughs> allegra over here. Uh, <laughs> you should talk <laughs> mr <We have> marbles <laughs> mr marbles and yes. the big sleepies <laughs> we have edda friedman and we have allegra uh warrington I believe that's how you pronounce that. So that's Adam Friedman and Allegra Warrington. They are the two driving forces behind the band Mama. This is their third release, second that's release. M O M M A. No caps. Thank you. Um, the release before this no was caps. Two of Me. This record is called Household Name. Um, yeah. Let's get into this band. Yeah, I think I don't know. We there's well, a general first, consensus. First off, let's let's describe what how what it sounds like. It is a rock band, so guitar, bass, drums. Yep. Um, mostly it's got female vocals on it. Yeah. Um, it's more in the garage rock vein, garage rock indie vein, kind yep. of. Yep. Kind of like er, like late '90s emo. Thank you. It's, Sunny day real estate type of emo. Okay. Nirvana e. Yeah, yeah. Nirvana e with that Foo well, Fighters ish. Like, sleepy Nirvana. Oh, I'd say Foo Fighters. Very Foo Fighters y. Like color and shape. I, I wouldn't because especially color and the shape has so many pop hooks and well, big songs. And this. I'm talking sound wise. If we're going to get. We're getting into the nitty gritty of how the songs come out. Can I just say where, where I found the Foo Fighters influence is just the way that the vocals are sort of doubled up. That's sure. That's sure. the thing. And that for me, as a lot of people who know is not really my favorite sound when it comes to vocal delivery and stuff. I mean, like, the most Thanks, I'll get John into it. Thanks, John Lennon. Thanks, John Lennon and Ozzy. Um, and, and in those instances, I'm kind of okay with it. But um, It's also getting, you know. like, um, a lot of people are saying this kind of sounds like a Smashing Pumpkins record. I don't really think it sounds like oh. that either. But The it, first Smashing Pumpkins. It, it kind of reminds me of the first Smashing Pumpkins. It does. The first Foo Fighters, the, the self-titled, possibly. It does in only the way that the guitars are, like, sound on the that Smashing Pumpkins record and maybe like the way they it feel but I wish these guitars sounded like those guitars. Yeah, like yeah. this for me like it has a lot of like um like you were saying like the rhythm is kind of like clean and it kind of has like distorted like strum out and the bass is really like it's bassy, it's got like that kind of yeah. thing. Not like the bass is like um, doing a lot of crazy work, but it's got like the you know. <laughs> it's got kind of a clunk there's a kind of a clunkiness to that bass. Yeah. And not like the I would say it's just kind of boom big big fills. Yeah, it sounds it sounds a lot like that late nineties emo. Yeah. Beginning of emo before emo became more like pop punk. Yeah, yeah. But I think I kind of feel like, yeah, the overall sort of consensus between the three of us, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I can say just well and we'll get into it, is I didn't really connect with this album. I found I and I had a hard time connecting with it. I kinda of had a hard time you know, I was just kind of underwhelmed, and I know that might sound a little bit harsh, but I just didn't – I had a hard time with it. This record uh, underwhelmed me a little bit too. Um, it's kind of – it's adjacent to like bands like Wet Leg that have released um, albums recently and definitely to even um, Snail Mail, like we talk about a lot, and Soccer Mommy yep. has like that kind of like styling and maybe that sort of like fan base would be adjacent – um, but for me, the reason that like this doesn't like work for me the way the Soccer Mommy record did um, is like a lot of it, it sounds the same. Like the tone of the songs are kind of the same tone. Yeah, um, the vocal vocal delivery kind of gets uh, the same for a lot of it. So um, the production style being so kind of 
slated across every track on here. Um, it kind of starts to melt together with me. Mm -hmm. um, the big reason, though, is um, lack of, of uh, melody. There's not a lot of great melodic tricks on this record um, that were blowing my mind. And also, um, lyrically for me, even, um, I know this, there's some songs I do like on here, but lyrically for me, a lot of this record was um, falling flat. I also kind of felt that it was like 15 minutes too long. It's quite a long rock record at yeah. 45 minutes in length. Yeah, it's just so this is their third record. Um I think it's to go positive. I think it's like they're doing their thing. It sounds like they made the record they want to make. Mm. Like there's no sloppy accidents. Like it is very purposeful. Um but it just didn't do anything for me. Like the I don't know how you record a drum set i get making certain artistic choices based on different songs but like never once on this record do i hear like a full cymbal crash it seems like mm -hmm. like never do i hear like do 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 it's all like it's so low in the mix it's so like the guitars when it's clean when it's like the rhythm guitar it's like there's some there's enough overdrive or enough like the amps turned up enough to kind of not be just like strummy clean guitar but barely um so i don't know they're they're it's not music for me and like straight up like i can't remember the last record i listened to that bored me as much as this oh i can remember the last record that bored me as much it was mastodon no it was <laughs> a record you i forget for the band but it was a record that you had us listen to that didn't have a bass player that i was equally as bored with that didn't have a bass player yeah we were it was like a uh, uh, it was like a we were kind of doing like free record reviews and you were kind of just picking ones out that were like uh you know uh Suggestion on Spotify. I forget the name of this band, but oh, um, I don't remember. They didn't have a bass player. Uh, I remember. I can't remember. I'll have to do some. Research. It was on this podcast, but um, yeah. So dealing with like lyrically, like where they're coming from in this record, it's kind of got like the um, the record is called Household Name. They have a song on it called Rockstar. Um, so it's kind of dealing with this band, like kind of uh, facing to the fact that they do want to be big rock stars, um, and they do want to be household names. They want to be in it. But having said that, they're also saying it with like an indie tongue, a very indie tongue in cheek. Um, I don't think they think that they're going to actually be that. But um, for me, where the album works is the song Rockstar, um, lyrically, that like comes together where they're saying like they're funny things about Rockstar. Like they're kind of making like the drummer keeps like, you know, like, uh, you know, disappearing or like they're kind of making that spinal yeah. tap reference where the drummer keeps like um, dropping out on them and they can't get a good band together. Um, so like lyrically that song works for me. Um, we already production it to death, but um, so like that one works really well. I thought the single Speeding 72 was another um, example where that worked way better. Um, Production-wise, even on that song where they're switching off on the um, the chorus where one girl's going, filling up the ashtray. That really works for me uh, melodically. That was probably the most interesting thing for me on the whole record. Um, and then even to working with the other song, Sellout, um, which was like the first song, I believe, that song also had that good like rock star 
um, struggling vibe. Mm-hmm. This band seems to want to be a Haim, a Haim type band. Um, but for me, they are not really coming through with the rest of their like lyric. Like it was a half thought out yeah. idea, like household name. Because for me, like what really doesn't work is songs like Medicine on the album. Um, I've heard that metaphor a lot. It's really stale. Um, I need you like medicine. Just doesn't work for me. Um, the song Spider, Caught in the Web, No Doubt's done it. Parquet Courts did it last fall on their record. Say Anything has done it. I'm caught in your web, Spider. That It's just a stale metaphor. Lucky, um, I'm lucky to have you. De- like Things like that. Um, I don't want to drown this to death, but those are just like three examples for me on the album of songs that I was going to slap work. your head if you started playing this record underneath. No, no, no. I was I just could, looking. I wouldn't be able to hear Luke over the sound of my own snoring. <laughs> Please don't play can this. I say, can I say this? Good soldier, though. Good review, because good, I agree with a lot of the points you made. Because, and that's why... Speeding 72 and Rockstar are the two tracks that I enjoyed the most out of the batch. Because they have that, like, one, Speeding 72 gives you a time, place, you know what they're talking Talking about it's the car, mm. it's teenage works, and I like the first track um, because it starts with like Guero and Vibra Slap, and I thought, which was oh cool, I might enjoy this, and then right, it's like, right. yes, because nah, it, like, it was like it was like that was like, like a, that was a textured gotcha. a textured flavor <clears throat> that right. ca- that perked your ear, right. and it does not perk your ear like that yeah. like the rest of this record, yeah. it just kind of um, falls flat. Yeah, I would say if I'm gonna, you know, because we we try to give the good with the bad, the yin with the yang. Um, uh, you know, I think that what is this record then? If we're gonna ask ourselves that question, who's it for? What is it? I think that it is kind of like a young person in their coming of age part in their life road trip sort of soundtrack. That's what it sounds like to me. Because in this isn't this band they're like all like 21 years old or something. Yeah, they're quite. Yeah. they're they're pretty young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll give it that. I think it's like a like a young person's road trip album or uh, uh, an album that might be like a good soundtrack to a road trip movie or something kind of like that. That kind of was the vibe this that I was getting. This much, has much more to do with like adolescent pop punk <coughs> than it does yeah. like um, a facing to like adult contemporary yeah. music like, you know, say like the soccer mommy is beginning to do. So this yeah. is like still on the way more adolescent scale of those that style of band. Yeah, um, I shared my like, you know, for the song. Songs that you guys had listed off as liking. I also like the song No Bite. That's the album closer. I'll give that song credit in the sense Mm -hmm. that, like, I remember when I was listening to the album all the way through, when I got to this song, I was like, oh, this is definitely the last song. It felt like it was the last song. Like, it kind of gave this sort of closing to the record. So credit where credit's due. They were very effective in being like, yep, this is the last song because it kind of has this vamped out ending and kind of bigger sort of like sort of climactic kind of thing at the end of it. So kudos to them for that. Um, what did you guys think? Did you like this Mama record? Did you not like this Mama record? Um, Luke and I were getting scores. into it. We're going to give scores. Ugh. I'll go first. Okay. I'll take the punch. Straight up, it's two and a half. Two and a half. And I'm being generous with that. Rough. <laughs> Personally. Rough, rough. It's just my – I mean, I just uh, – I, I could see it. I because, just not enjoy this. No, I could see why it's a it's a low score. Like yeah. if I'm gonna you know I'm gonna shout out an album I think that is like this record that is works better on like eighty levels that like I described. Um, Bully the band Bully's mm-hmm. album Sugar Egg from 2020. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got yeah. all that yeah. Nirvana sweet stuff you want. It's got uh, lyrical it's yeah. melodies. Um, so, so I think that's an example that works better. Like this album. For me, I'm going to give it a four. Um, it's just, it plays all the way through. It's pretty innocuous. None of the songs are, like, terrible. It's just, um, if anything, boring 
for me. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the worst thing I could say about it. Yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll go four two with you. I'll meet you at four because I think that like for the things that it does well, it does well. It's just for me, I was just not really like. Oh, I I'm gonna listen to this album again. You know, like it just didn't have that thing. There was nothing that really caught me. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we were talking on the phone that spider song. I was like, all right, we get it. You're a spider. Your web's empty all or whatever. It's all the spiders. But well, like, for for me, if I can but, if I right? can think of four other songs that do the spider reference better in three seconds, <laughs> that that for me is the issue. And go. because if yeah. if your song. If your song is good enough, I won't think of the other songs. It'll yeah. just be another song about a spider for me. Yeah. But for me, it's just, you right. know. Um, okay, so there you have it, Mama. Let us know what you think because um, we're, we're kind of running out of time here. Um, we're going to bring back a album that we didn't give a rating for because we felt we weren't really prepared to give a rating for it. Yes, so, but now. Michael, um, what's the name of this record? Drum mis- roll, please. Mr. Marble and the Big Sleepies. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, it's Kendrick Lamar's record. It dropped like about a month ago now at this point. Uh, we wanted to sort of digest it. It's a very, very dense record. Digest it, kind of revisit it, come back and give you our actual rating of this album. Um, if you want to just start with ratings at the very top, I'm going to go, I think it's like a, it's like an 8.9 to a nine for me. Mm. Um, I might do 8.9. I know that's kind of pitchforky <laughs> of me, <laughs> but it's only because I would say the fact that like, although there are like quote unquote singles on this album, this is not a singles record mm. and it's very demanding of the listener to listen to. And it's very dense. Uh, that being said, listening to this record back again it's like oh man this is this is a high watermark of artistry and you know we were talking about well this yeah, earlier today me and mike were like uh, spitting about this album and like if we're gonna throw a rating out there i'm gonna give it a nine um i think it's it's a great record um i listened to this album multiple times in the full length since then um what i think what what makes this album a nine what makes this album a great record is when me and mike are talking about it we have we have points of what about this what about if that's about this what about if this is about that and that's culturally about the me and mike are just rambling on and on and on and on and on so that for me is already like it already has me and mike talking a large amount in depth depth about the content of every song and why it's there and why you thought to place it on there so just generally that's you know yeah yeah i uh, i would say a nine for me um it made my last week's episode we talked about our five favorite records from the first half of the year it made my list uh made my top five of 2022 so far um i say nine but i also say it is still uh my least favorite of his major label uh output since uh, good kid mad city but that's because all the previous albums I would put as like, yeah, like half of them are tens for me personally. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very strong album. It works a lot better. I'm glad we revisited it after after a month because it is just a lot to try to absorb quickly. And um, this is an album that it has some soundbite songs that kind of get stuck in your brain, but it's more of like the traditional double record of put it on, listen to the whole thing. Whereas his previous albums, I could pick and choose. I could do shuffle and this isn't so easily shuffleable, but um, a great work. And 
hopefully we don't have to go another five years before <laughs> before another record. Yeah, I know. I like me and Mike were talking about too, like compared to the uh you know, the the other big rap release, which really wasn't a rap release, was like the Drake release. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and so for you know, for Drake to come out with like not a rap record and a dance record and this to be like a introspective mm-hmm. giant record, they're two very different records, two mm-hmm. very different facing ways of hip hop. It seems like yeah. um now that we're in the depths of summer, Beyonce is about to drop and I know she's not a rapper, but a, a dance yeah. dance yeah. themed record. Um and so for me, like this record, I was trying to like th- think if there was like more like dance elements on here. Really wasn't no. super dancey because I was trying to think if like that was like a, a an underline. But for me, it was. I think this record, like I was talking to Mike, is a shift towards um, maybe changing some of the things that he thought were not great in hip hop, um, like. The song about is it? I'm so sorry if it's his uncle, um, a trans relative. Yes, sure. Yeah. Um, it's so like in the use of the f word and all that, and I know that was a, a point I brought up in the last time. But even so, like it seemed like more of a referendum on um where hip hop may have been lacking in its like moral stances sometimes. Because even like with the take off this, take off that, take off this. What do you have? What do you have? You have yeah. the basis of it. You know what I mean? And so like where he's kind of saying those things and even to where I was talking to Mike about the um the argumentative song where he's having mm-hmm. the argument dialogue um that song on the record for me was like a whole like you had the first example of that which we also said was like Eminem and Kim mm-hmm. and and I said to Mike I was like even the fact that there's a woman on there mm-hmm. and she's giving the the mm-hmm. other end of that back um, is one inviting women into the dialogue. It's uh, having a conversation back and forth, whether the conversation is hard to hear or not. It still invites that other um, person onto the page to yeah. give um, a rebuttal. So, like, I think it's a lot of it's a transformation of where I think he wants um, his own art and the art of maybe his peers to kind of evolve and yeah. change into. Because for me, it was more of like a. This is where I am. Are you? Are you? Are you guys here? Like I think yeah. it's almost like a question to everybody else. I don't know <clears throat> if that came across to you guys on the second listen more or. Yeah, I think it's funny how you know because we were talking about it earlier today and how you know Drake dropped the record. You know, there's mixed reviews. I'll, the people who love it absolutely love it and kind of dub it as being this like sort of trailblazing sort of record where it's inviting this kind of different genre into the hip hop and rap room. So does and, and to a certain extent maybe, um, <clears throat> where I don't I don't know man I think I think this Kendrick Lamar album is the trailblazing record. This to me is the bigger statement. It's the bigger artistic statement as uh, I don't know I, as a whole. I think. I mean yeah I mean I I mean just when you're talking about comparing impact or artistic output like yeah straight up I'm gonna say that Drake hasn't made a single album that is as good as. Kendrick's worst album. Yeah, right. Ken- Drake's a singles guy. Drake's a hits guy. Yeah, Drake's yeah. A- and I know that's it's kind of maybe unfair to yeah. draw that comparison, right. but it's, at the same time, it's they it's are like comparing Snoop Dogg and Nas. They're yeah. just yeah. aiming for very different things. Right. I'm right. just I'm just going for like stylistic. You know. What, yeah, this is a very mature record, and comparatively, like yeah. that is seems to be like you know what I mean. Like it seems like that they're going like dance, and he's like kind of yeah. like kind of. 
and it's almost like he's raising the ceiling. Well, on you it almost all. wonder if he's going to be this kind of like. I don't know, like a Stevie Wonder for the hip-hop era where he's kind of going to elevate out of hip-hop anyway and just be Kendrick yeah. Lamar. It does his Kendrick Lamar thing, and it's not so much an influence on what's going on with new hip-hop. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. But do you think, like, the the title, uh, Mr. Mr. Morale, do you think that, like, because I, I kind of took the, the title of the album with the mix of the songs and kind of took it as a morale-facing you know album yeah. of like what are morals what what do we stand for that kind of thing did you guys get that more or because i think that the title might be too on the nose i don't really know yeah i mean yeah. i i would say this is his most personal record it's his most like present day record because a lot of his previous work has been about um the community at large the black community uh america at large inner cities yeah. um whereas this album is more like his personal experience his personal viewpoints his so um, this is more of like a uh put on your air mask before you help others kind of thing where he's like i had to fix myself kind of thing to, right. to really to yeah, really fix outward like you, you have the dialogue through all the inter interludes with all the therapy things right stuff, because so. there is that uh there's the element to it of of self-care and and um really dealing with your own problems at home yeah. i think because mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of like you know, there's a lot. The only reason I'm saying, like, in the wake of it, is because he's such a, a pivotal artist in the hip hop community. So whatever he does is gonna, you know, reverberate in that, yeah. you know, field. But uh, to its own thing, it's it's also you're right, like super super personal, and yeah. so it might be on the other, afflicting that way. But yeah. this was his so, least yeah. least like least celebrated record that he's put out, and that's why, especially with the hip hop community, this this album yeah. is very much like. Yeah, but that's also because every album previously has shit you can blast yeah. in your car and stuff, and this isn't going for that. Yeah, yeah. For it's... for an album listener, this is an album. This mm. is like as I'm an old school album guy. You guys know this. Obviously, you see the shelves over here. But like for me, this this plays like this plays like an old school double album. Um, it has like you know meaning and point and flow and yeah. um it's got parts that make me Movement. uncomfortable but that's what great art does yeah um it challenges it'll make you kind of squeamish um i think this this has songs like i don't want to listen to all the time which is also like the issue with it because it has challenging songs mm -hmm. um which might be some people's contention but i don't know man i think the 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 putting yourself out there so much um, and really laying it all on the table it's, yeah. it's a classic record I don't think it's um, I think like Mike said the first time I think like, you were like people are sleeping they don't get it yet I think this is a full full record if yeah. that comes more back into vogue of full album listening mm -hmm. I think uh, this might get yeah. in people's higher regards but yeah, yeah. So there you go. There you have it. Nines all around for Kendrick Lamar with Mr. Marble and the big... I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with... The Music Podcast. The Music Podcast you're with gonna, Mr. You're Mr. Gonna Mr. See Roy Hool. I, I don't say it right when we come back from break. Yes, I'm no. a fortune teller. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Until... Well, not until next time. We're not signing off. Jesus, we'll be we right back. We recorded this out of order, <laughs> yes, if you I can't did. tell. So we did the other part first, and yeah. you'll be able to tell. We've inceptioned yeah. ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. It's a music podcast. For music lovers. We are here celebrating our 100th episode. 
So something uh something to celebrate something to celebrate for we also have our good buddy roy Hool back on the podcast shout out to roy uh he featured on Thank the you. audio only episode early on in the in bob the podcast marley. with yeah. uh yeah with bob marley and then again on the last audio Waltz. only thanksgiving, thanksgiving special with the uh with the last wall so definitely check Thank those you out for having me back yeah man um i thought we would celebrate i got a little bit of uh, non-alcoholic sparkling wine for us <laughs> <laughs> so we could we could celebrate so a little juice. bit uh i looked for I looked Great for non-alcoholic um, cider and I couldn't find any, so it was just—it's just in big red letters: "Alcohol removed wine, sparkling brut from the this California." Is, this vineyards. sounds disgusting. Yeah. Alcohol removed wine does not sound as good as sparkling grape juice. Mm, tw- I couldn't. Twenty nineteen, spark- an excellent year. <laughs> yeah, let me see what is what's the date on it. I don't know that they date these it ones. It can't be that old really... aging is what adds the alcohol. It would ferment by then. <laughs> it was bottled three months ago. Mm, lots of artificial things in here. There is grape juice concentrate as Delicious. well, so you're, you guys are in for a real treat. Thank um, you. So, Jeffrey, why don't you tell the good people what we're getting into this episode while I pour the champagne? Uh, we're going to talk about music festivals, uh, summer music festivals. Tis the season where things are hopping off uh, pretty much every week. There's festivals all over the country, all over the world. Um, summertime is the hot time for music and live music in particular. And we're just going to discuss some festivals of note from the past, some festivals that are kind of local to New England, some of our personal festival experiences, um, some do's and don'ts, some highs, some lows. Lots of highs. <laughs> and lots of lows. <laughs> uh, we're also going to discuss new music reviews. Our review by the band Mama, M O M M A. Yes. Their new uh, album, we will, Household. We name. will do that. Highly anticipated. Highly anticipated, yeah. We'll do that either. I don't know if it'll it'll be like, you know, we might do it before, we might do it after. And then sure. uh, we also have a Kendrick Lamar update. Re update. Yes. Us. Yes, indeed. But. Let us get into it. Uh, can we do a quick cheers to <laughs> salute to to a hundred to a hundred uh, more Nastro Nastrovia Siniyamas to our health. That's good. That's not bad. He didn't go cheap with the sparkling. I don't mm. spare it. This is, is Liz. This is this is, well, <laughs> is so tart. Yeah, it's tart. Well, it's mm. the it's apple and grapey and um all that good stuff. Lots of sugar too. Lots of rain in that year. It's a lot of you can taste the soil. And in stu- in <laughs> By soil, I mean all the heavy metals that are. <laughs> in studying for this episode, I did make sure to keep myself in good sleep deprivation mode. And good. I was at a festival all weekend and barely slept and drank and partied all weekend. All right. What Here we go. Was that? Yeah, what it was Summer that? Jam Camp Out at Thomas Point Beach, Brunswick, Maine. Uh, my third time at this, fourth time at the venue, third year in a row being there for Fourth of July. Um, Great production. Yeah. Good crew. Nice. Lots so, of great bands we'll get into later. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but yes. Right on. Cool. Well, I thought we would start with um, maybe some fun festival history and facts and whatnot. Um, I mean, I would imagine that like music festivals have been a thing for God knows how long. Since the Shakespearean days. Right, perhaps. right. <laughs> no, yeah. Maybe since ancient Greece, yeah. maybe. Um, but I don't we're going to start. It's an American phenomenon. <laughs> no, I don't. No, no. But uh, the American Festival has kind of grown to like sort of be its own thing. The American Music Festival has sort of like evolved and changed throughout time. 
um, from as early as what was it? Je- uh, Newport Jazz Festival. Newport you said Jazz what was the Festival, date on that? 1954 to present, going to be some big acts rolling into Newport Jazz yeah. and Folk Festival. Both, mm-hmm. both right. huge. Probably the two biggest festivals in New England when you take the historical music festivals yeah. out of the way those are probably the two biggest things on the yeah. east coast yeah. yeah right on okay and then what and what what came first did um monterey come first monterey pop was june 16th through 18th 1967 at 67 the okay. monterey county fairgrounds okay that was a really really big festival it was like the first like psychedelic festival of the era it's like an aquarian all that good stuff uh, meeting of the arts um it also brought soul acts so uh otis redding and booker t and the mgs breakout. yep into a white audience it also had the breakout of janice joplin uh jimmy hendrix the who's first big american performance uh crosby stills nope not crosby stills national young sorry buffalo spring Fe- uh field um Ravi all those Shankar. great acts yeah, yeah Ravi Shankar. um yeah. tons of great acts it's really the first great psychedelic um festival of the 60s yeah. Does that festival exist in any form today? I don't believe don't it does. So. No. Don't no. think so. That was a one-time only thing that somebody. Oh, put was on. it? It was yeah, only as done far once. As I know, I don't think it was ever it was, done uh, a second time. Yeah, it was like John Phillips from uh, the Mamas and the Papas was really instrumental in putting that festival together. <clears throat> okay. All right. Cool. So then we fast forward a little bit, and then we get to. I mean, Yasgur's. Yasgur's. We go to Yasgur's farm. farm. Um, Woodstock. Yeah, we go to Woodstock. That's 1969. Um, we're not gonna spend a lot of time on what Every, everybody knows the Woodstock story. August 15th Going up the through country. 18th, 1969. Yeah, Yasgur's Farm. And the attendance, did you get happen to get the attendance for the, it was like a, it was like 100,000 400,000 people. Oh, all 400 to 500,000 people Jesus, attended Woodstock. Huh. Yeah. Um but there was one festival that had them beat. And Oh, well, you're also well, okay. Can, yeah. The oh, same we, oh, the oh, same summer, forward? the same summer you have Altima happens, right. which is okay, more, yes, you know. Yes. Um, the hippie killer. The hippie well, killer. The yin to the yang. Of yeah, the, absolutely. It was Woodstock. really the end of the summer of love era. You know, mm-hmm. uh, pool cue wielding motorcycle gang members for security. That was a good um, idea. Uh, no, fa- good no idea. facilities, no bathrooms. Yeah. They changed the venue on short notice to, and it uh, turned into probably one of the single biggest disasters in American music history. Yeah. Could probably do a whole show just on that. Yeah. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll do a whole show on Elton. There's a lot of information there on yeah. the lead up to it and how everything happened. Yeah. Great documentary about that. Give me shelter. The Rolling Stones documentary. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So then moving on. The big one. The big one. The big one happened. Big Daddy Festy. July 28th, 1973, the Watkins Glen Summer Jam. Featuring Grateful Dead, yep. the band, Thanks, the Almond Brothers. Um, it was put on by uh, a couple promoters from Hartford. You may know Jimmy Coplick's name. He had a big portion to do with Summer Jam originally. A uh, couple quick factoids, and we can talk about it. Six. 150,000 tickets were sold. 600,000 people showed up. Could you imagine that in one place? It is the largest concert in American history, and it is also regarded as the largest gathering of people in North American history. What was that crazy statistic you told me? The statistic is one of every 350 United States citizens attended the Watkins Glen (laughs) Summer Jam. So that's how big it was. Yeah. 
So yeah, right. and, I mean, in only a one-day three-band show, yeah. and then the crazy massive success. <laughs> three-band show. Yeah, because yeah. so, you think like all these other festivals God. had um, like you know thirty-five band right, deep right. listings, nope. and this is yeah. like a three. One Th- day. Yeah, Huge. one day. Yeah. And then also one of the most bizarre things too about this festival is like um, you know, we're kinda of pointed out at the beginning. It's really nobody ever really talks about it. I only really know about it because I'm a fan of the band and they have like a live record from here that's not really um a live record from that Walkins Glen event. It's like a sketchy bootleg thing. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Uh or irregardless, whatever that word is. I don't think that's a word. But um Unregardless. There you go. <laughs> Let's go with that one. <laughs> Um, it is like a the forgotten festival because the narrative is you know Altamont killed the festival and then this festival yeah. is bigger than Woodstock and that festival and it's almost like you say it to people and they're like what and then Roy spouts off that fact one in every three hundred fifty people <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's huge that's, that's a huge. Big, yeah, definitely that's huge. the biggest probably the biggest musical event yeah. that was ever put together Bill Graham had a lot to do with that right too. right he's one of the he's the musical yeah. connection for it. If once again a whole another per- great topic, let's do a Bill Graham episode. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. Feel more east, feel more west. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Either. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Um, <coughs> anyway, right on, cool. So I think what like what would you say? Around that time, you figure it's like 1973. These bands, it's early-ish for these bands, right? Um, yeah. When would you say like the grit? Like, because because I wanted to talk about fandom a little bit, you know? Because we you seem to have these sort of like specific types of like fan you know what i mean fans like from that are attracted to fans yeah like you have the deadheads you have the fish heads you have like the dave matthews the hippies. Like, you dave have like the sublime they're hippie, inclined you know? to the festival um yeah. show they're inclined to the festival lifestyle now that we have and they seems to be like a whole group of artists that have like legions of these these fans that like yeah. loyally go out to these shows like this like all the time. So, do you think this is where it started though? Because like you were saying before we started, like we were just like talking about um, you know artists or bands that have like really intense followings. You, I mean, you even brought up like Taylor Swift and is like like you know you were saying too. I'm gonna say a lot of uh, jam band adjacent stuff. Do you think that that sort of that kind of like De- like devotional discipleship of like a certain band or something that kind of, I mean like Deadheads were I like think the it first goes with the territory like culture that was like we are this culture that's committed to this specific band like are they the first of their kind is the question you know I don't know if they're necessarily the first of their kind because I look at the Merry Pranksters as being the root of that culture mm, the okay. prankster culture is what leads to modern traveling right people that people that forsake a sedentary lifestyle <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. live between music festivals yeah. the merry pranksters had the further bus the grateful dead was their house band at parties this led to a traveling culture which when the big festivals happen brought that traveling culture into the public spotlight it kind of so i kind of think it was already happening i think that you know a lot of the you know you got to think the grateful dead and um mother magoo's jug band or whatever the band mother mccree's jug band that Mm. they come from all is immersed in that san francisco culture at that time so i don't know if it's necessarily the beginning of it but it's definitely the thing that brought it to a mainstream audience mm. and put it on television 
yeah. and put it where pictures of hippies hitchhiking and Volkswagen buses and stuff, yeah, which right. kind of becomes part of Americana. And then, I mean, you, uh, Woody Guthrie. I mean, I really would root all of that traveling culture yeah. to that time before yeah, yeah. Merry Pranksters and the San Francisco scene. Yeah. You know, the... The Dust Bowl. Well, it's a ch- yeah, it's the children of the hobo era of exactly. the Great Depression. Yeah, mm. and that's why so, you know, yeah. and the Grateful Dead was a you know came from a banjo band. You know, so they they came from a bluegrassy band. You know, which so, I mean, that leading forward, I think that it turns into a so, culture in its own. So they end up kind of mixing that vagabond lifestyle with the cultural the the like Woodstock generation kind of thing in general. I think the Grateful Dead end up kind of being the first band that has like an insulated audience where they always have like the core fan base that like follows them around. I think as um, modern music is happening now, we're having a lot of bands that are like self-insulating into like their own things. Like um, we'll say like a band like Wilco, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, did that album review. Mm -hmm. They put on their Solid Sounds Festival every year and it's almost like they have their own insulated audience now where they can just kind of like almost – be a festival band and then do their own festival for their fans every year. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be working for them. Um, and with that kind of tradition, we have the ICPs that do their festival every year yeah, um, yeah. with juggalos. those bands. Roy, give us your like top five, like the fandom bands. Like where did, like oh. what in your mind are those like, or, you know, the bands that are coming around that have a large following that people might not even really know about and that really birth the culture. I mean, definitely fish. People definitely follow mm-hmm. fish. Um, that is probably, you know, fish has been running since 83, 84, mm-hmm. and have probably been, had a consistent following since the late 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think alongside with this traveling culture comes tapers mm-hmm. culture, which is another thing that all of these bands kind of have in common too. You're talking cassette bootlegs. Bootleg, bootleg. recording of concerts and sharing of concerts and you know like a lot of these bands the live recordings of their concerts is how the music became Mm. something to each other people never people didn't buy grateful dead records that's what your regular people did the fans exchanged cassette tapes and eight tracks of record that's an its own culture in itself um Currently, um, there's a huge resurgence, the band Ween, which is something that I've listened to Ween since Chocolate and Cheese, which I believe is 1995. Mm. I think I forgot about them for 20 years. And now they're going to sell out Red Rocks with Primus. They're Mm. one of the, and they're really, really, really good. Like I I really forgot how good the band was because they are a little goofy. They Mm. have, they're, they're a little strange yeah um don't really understand this one this would be the one that i don't necessarily get sublime i see a huge number of sublime cover bands Mm. that are still and it's not that i was there i'm a child of the 90s i was born in 1980 i loved sublime when they came out yeah i remember every album coming out when it came out and then i kind of forgot about it because it was good music, but it was, and then I, it's, I think a lot of this stuff has to do too with the simplicity of songs that you can play on the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. So a song like what I got, 
I can teach somebody to play what I got in probably about eight minutes if you know yeah. basic chords. G chord and D chord. So yeah, right. the, 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 I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, and going back, not necessarily festival, but definitely festival, call it circus-like performance, KISS, my friend Luke. Yeah. Probably the probably the greatest marketing band of he's a, all. He's time. a veteran of the Kiss we Army. Know. Just so you know, we know. So you know, I have some. I know. Has a we purple saw heart. the coffin. In the, we saw the coffin. The coffin was right around the corner. I saw it. Got black heart. <laughs> you got the coffin waiting for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, in in all of all of these fandoms, create a uh, a place for this music to kind of. You know, create a, create an even larger music space for other bands to come up around them, and you know, um, not to, to step off of the festival world. There's a line. There's a line in a Rush song that I absolutely love that I think of all the time. That mm. is the um, each another's audience upon the gilded cage, or something along those lines. Mm. And it's how these bands kind of do become friends and fans of one another. So. Um, you know, you have a lot of bands that the band Goose that I know we're going to talk about. Trey Anastasio just did two shows. Trey Anastasio from Fish just did two shows yeah. with Goose. And one Father John Misty, too, made an appearance. So it's like, it's, <laughs> keep it's things nice kind and sad. of how the old culture gets transferred. You have Les Claypool playing upright bass for Bob Weir. How did that? Who would have? Could you have told me that fifteen years ago? Yeah, no, no way. No, no way. No, in that Bob Weir does not look of, like he's sailing the seas of cheese anytime. It, so. With Bob Weir, <laughs> with, with, does, with, with Billy Strings playing lead guitar, a twenty-four-year-old virtuoso bluegrass player. Right, right. That's three generations, three different kinds of music that are really coming together. You know, and festivals in general now are really the only place to digest a lot of these bands because like if you want to go see Wolfpack this summer probably only going to see them at massive festivals, festivals. Right. Yeah. only place they're going to be playing around the yeah. world you want to go like fearless flyers is playing mm-hmm. uh newport that's one of the things that's on my list that i thinking about going to um yeah big name acts on festivals this year it's in, yeah. in, in, even in the hip-hop world that's where all they they have these big hip-hop or right you know kind of like the rave culture too became the festival culture what was the 90s rave culture has now transferred to that too i see a lot of that there's a lot of electronic music that is now done mainly in festival format because where else can you pack it is i mean if you try to pack that many people into the hartford civic center think of all of the logistics involved these people rent a field you know it's yeah Festivals are not just a good way to launder drug money anymore. <laughs> they're, they're they're profitable. <laughs> so very profitable, and that's a that's an interesting note too because the profitability of festivals is really something that only is coming to light in like the '90s forward. Um, tons of festivals beforehand, especially in America, like notoriously failed over and over, and were giant money losses. Woodstock was a money loss. I think um, Woodstock 94 was a money loss. I think Woodstock 99 was even a money loss. Yeah. Well, they rioted. But uh, we'll get, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But um, most of those festivals did encounter a lot of losses and were not as successful as their European counterparts who really took the festival model that and, and ran with it and ran with it and yeah, ran with it. Right, yeah. So that's also a, a super interesting point why we're seeing a lot of festivals now with jam-packed lineups is because – 
people are going and they are yeah. successful and it's a it's a great way for a lot of bands to make money and great exposure yeah it's yeah. an entrepreneur's business definitely because you in they can you people that put on festivals create this network of people around them that expand it's kind of what the music industry has become because during the summertime that's what bands do now to yeah sell their work and to your note too of like some of these bands with the giant fandoms is like they're getting together at these festivals because they're bringing these giant like a lot of us like you know to say like a band like Ween where you're like who is whether when they get together with these other bands you take that kind of fandom and you mix it together and you're able to sell out a giant thing because like you noted like if you want to see a band like Wolfpack which is um jam band adjacent you would say like um you know maybe you're not into them but you're going to go to that festival because they're the only that's the only place they're playing in that area yeah so, you're more likely to see another band that you might not see right you know so it's also leading leading to the less of a like you know nationwide tour but they're doing like yeah. 30 cities where it's just like you know we're playing 10 cities this summer yeah, and, and, they're they, all... and they incorporate festivals during the summer into the tour i mean that's a lot right. of that is a very common thing yeah it's and that's i mean i think that it is the direction music is going especially with music no longer being really there it's really the only analog thing left in the music world where else can you actually get paid cash to do anything like it's all spotify yeah, right. plays and you know youtube views youtube and, views yeah. it's all it's all a digital currency so the festival place is the place that people can make actual analog sell merch sell, sell merchandise yeah. shake yeah. hands yeah kiss babies that kind yeah. of stuff yeah. yeah 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 and there's so many types of festivals because there's the wide net popular music festivals like glassenbury that happened recently lollapalooza. Or coachella lollapalooza then generally festivals like that won't include metal acts, but you'll see giant metal mm. festivals where it'll be like 30 metal bands. You have like Vakken and even yeah. Ozfest. You have, then you have like the cannabis culture festivals. Sure. So that'll be hip hop with pop with metal, like a little bit of kind of underground stuff. Punk rock bowling. Punk That's rock. its own. Their yeah. Punk rock bowling festival happens in Las Vegas. That's mm. put on by yep. No Effects every year. That's m mm. one of my favorite the bands. EDM, like EDM festivals Big too, time. where it's like a Huge. giant glow in the dark carnival the whole time. Any weed adjacent festival is like uh, any Cypress Hill, any band that right. can fit on a bill at Cypress Snoop Hill gets Dog, on that. Cypress Hill. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. Wiz Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa, yeah. Yeah. And, Which is pretty cool. And what do we think that, like, average price for a weekend festival is, what, still about, like, 190 maybe? And that's, then fees that's a, that's and That's a larger festival, right. I would say. I would say your local festivals that are having 1,000 to 1,500 people through mm -hmm. the gate are usually in the 125 to 150 Yeah, because I was going to, I mean, it, I went to Strange Creek and Wormtown years ago, those are years usually, ago. But I those think are, it was 160 this year for Strange Creek's ticket yeah. if you bought it at the gate. And that's probably okay, gotcha. 5,000 people maybe? No, I would say Strange Creek probably puts more like twelve to 15 sure. through. Yeah. Strange Creek or Wormtown. Strange yeah. Creek, I think it's a little bit Yeah, those more. are both at Camp Key. Kinawan, Kinawan. It's Greenfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, good times. I've, I, yeah. I've enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, I I've... kind of kind of found my found a lot of music that I'm into. I, I uh, consider the source. First time I ever saw John. Yeah, same here. John Ferrara made me cry at yeah. in front of the Vernville stage. That was mm -hmm. my first experience with them. Yeah. Um, 
Thank yeah. you, John Ferrara. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you have any other like local festivals that you wanted to shout out? Like, you were at one this weekend that I, you you went to. Have you been to some that you thought were good that you know you would give a recommendation I to go absolutely to? Absolutely, would shout out anything that the Summer Jam and Grateful Campout Crew, uh, FJR Productions in Maine, is putting on. They put on great shows. Um, those who've been at Thomas Point Beach, it's a waterfront. Uh, venue that's a regular campground with showers um, in my opinion the most family friendly mm. festival mm. venue I've ever been to you can actually yeah. kind of let your kids do their thing there's not really anywhere for them to go there it's a it's a, a really good time um, so I've been to a bunch there and that's where I was this weekend um, I'm gonna shout out my friends Leon Trout they're putting on an event in Coimans Hollow New York August fifth sixth seventh i believe so it's first weekend of august that's trout stock incredible lineup all original music um the whole lineup is stacked uh look it up we'll i'll make sure these guys post the link in the comments and they just i mean that's the first band i would talk about that's a band that i've watched come up for about four years right now that just gets better and better every time i see them they learn they they just Best riffing musicians that I, I, I just want to give a quick side note, man. I think the first time I saw Leon Trout, they did that version of uh, that Gorillas song, um, Clint Eastwood. Uh, Clint Eastwood, thank you. And it like I was like, oh my god, it's like the Guitar Hero version of Clint <laughs> yeah, it's Eastwood. so good. It like it like blew. I was blown away, man. Major, it was and so major good. riffage and great people. Major yeah. riffage, yeah, yeah, and they're cool guys, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like uh they're they jam heavily they have like a they're like guitar hero guitar solos abound yeah cool really cool band yeah, they practice their out. skills yeah <laughs> and, they, and it's a band that practices twice a week yeah. every week yeah. and gigs out to if they it doesn't matter if you got three gigs this week you still practice yeah. twice they work hard and they deserve everything they're getting yeah um yeah so they have a festival next month that i'll definitely attend there's a lot of other great acts on it um i won't Another he- big New England act right now, Bella's Bartok. Um, oh, yeah. Horns make me horny. Uh, mm-hmm. Loves its ska punk, circus punk, um, kind of system of a down-ish. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's got the, definitely has that Balkan sound. that gypsy European style. And, right. um, yeah. I mean, that's another band that just, I feel, gets better every time I see it. They, mm-hmm. they seem, they do shift members. You know, you see this weekend they had a different horn player than the last time I played, and it was felt like much more of a. It felt like I was seeing more like a actual ska act. He really, the trumpet player, really pushed the. I, I love horn bands. Yeah. Um. Another horn, another horn adjacent band uh, that I absolutely love. I kind of like call him last year's rookie of the year is the Humans Being uh, Manchester, New Hampshire band. Um, piano player Matt Morell is also a kick-ass trumpet player. They play Cuban jazz music. They rock. Uh, great people. All these people are, are my friends, too. Great people. Yeah. And uh, Whalem Park out of the Greenfield, Massachusetts, Athol area. Bunch of weirdos, but I love y'all. And they really, another band that is really like, every time I see them, you get better and better. Uh, that's kind of a punk, punky. Uh, they kicked some Billy Eilish this weekend, which was oh, really cool. good. Right thought on. that was good. Yeah. Um, did not see them this weekend. The last band that I will put on this list, just big shout out to Creamery Station from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest working Connecticut yeah. jam band. Um, and they really are 
traditional in the sense they they really were uh almond brothers grateful dead and the band they probably had 50 percent of their music as their set and now it's mainly originals they rock their seven seven or eight piece band um they work together better than any other band that i've seen in that era you know yeah um, i was thinking not to put everybody on the spot too much but do you, are there any band names that are like your favorites that kind of give you a good uh, like oh that's a good one local bands to, yeah remember you were rattling off some band names like psychedelic oh, sandwiches bro, or something or another band, like that was there's like, a band that plays around um, I used to gig with them when I was in high school and they're still I think they're still around in some form today Llama Tsunami in the uh, Without yes. Helmet yeah um yeah. on a lot of festivals that I saw at least a couple years ago and they're still playing out they were a ska band so Roy yeah. Roy played with a band recently called moon matrix of the lizard people <laughs> <laughs> yeah <Yes>. nice <laughs> i i have to i have to pull out a flyer but i played a show one time in high school where every band on the flyer had like the most bizarre band name yeah. except us we were the only ones with like a conventional band name everyone else was like dog eats spider shit and you're just like <laughs> come on man <laughs> see i would say the closest thing that i ever came to like you know, like uh, my era, I would say the band names were always like because uh, it was like the metalcore era. So it's like as this thing is happening, or <laughs> while those things burn, or like it was like always that three word, like this thing is happening. Big touring band coming through town, the pro uh, music hall, Hippie Death Cult, from Hippie California. Death Cult. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard that band. Yeah, the, that's, yeah, that's a big that they're a big thing. They're, yeah, uh, they come to your city. Over yeah, there? August fourth, I believe. They're yeah. Thursday, August fourth at Pro's Beer House. Shout out my to John Brissom yeah. and Dwayne, my man's over there. Oh, also special shout out to all of the uh, Tool fandoms as well Tool. as the uh, between the Barrett and me crazy prog metal fans, like the Rush fans and all that stuff too. Because I feel like that all kind of it, it kind of weaves in, man. Where it's like that sort of devout band fandom like you know you know between the barrier to me fan what what are, <laughs> what, what are they but what i'm saying is is that what i'm saying though is that like is that like what is that's all they talk about like that's what i'm saying like when i talk about like when i meet yeah. somebody who's in a band who's like really hardcore into like tool or really into hardcore you know like into like between the barrier to me and stuff it's just like yeah but don't you don't you listen to like anything else and they're like no not really that I just is, listen to this one band all the time. The issue it, that I take with a lot of people that are into, into these styles these things, of fandom though, because yeah. they kind of rule out, and especially people that are musically, you know, musicians that are into a particular thing, yeah. feel that it's the only way you can play a guitar mm -hmm. is by turning the treble up to 10, turning the low off, and running an auto wah. That's it, yeah, that's right. The only guitar. <laughs> that's not the only way. <laughs> well, this, oh, is, well, this is news to <laughs> me. I had no idea. That, but that is you. You have that. It's people yeah. are trying to recreate yeah. something and chase I guess the that, dragon. Well, yeah. and the thing is, mm. is you have to think. I don't chase think the bear. Where we're talking about, we're we're, we're <laughs> silently talking about Jerry Garcia. <laughs> Jerry Garcia looked to like these obscure places to find right. his music. Reverend right. Gary Davis and you know all of these early blues and bluegrass that he wasn't yeah. somebody that was living off of somebody else's sound he was looking for his own so yeah. i guess that's my main thing is look for your sound yeah find your sound here here
Be 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 yourself. I was watching be videos yourself. on Ottawa's the other day, <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing? Who am I? Who have I become?" <laughs> this is Je- awful. It's just it's a pan of Jeff's regular face, and then it goes to the Ottawa video, and then you look back, and he, he, Giant, he has he has a beard. beard. <laughs> he has a great beard and like and John glasses. Lennon sunglasses. <laughs> Can I shout out one what more band here before we move on? With Absolutely. That yeah. I do want to talk about Goose. Yeah, let's I, talk I about have it. not seen Goose yet, but Goose is highly on my list. Goose was formed in Connecticut in 2014. Um, if you haven't heard about them, they just sold out Radio City Music Hall two nights the other day with Trey Anastasio from Fish playing with them. Uh, they've played at Red Rocks. They've Weren't they just on like MSNBC or something like that? CBS Was that in the morning, CBS I believe. In the morning. Um, big, they did a big show at Mohegan Sun. They had Goose Miss. That was a close to sold out show. Um, really, <laughs> it, 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 it might not necessarily be exactly what I look for in music, but definitely worth checking out. And yeah. if they're a big thing, I think it's worth, you know, there's a reason why people like music. Yeah. So there's always something you can find. I mean, a bu- I mean, to speak to Goose, a buddy of ours, um, uh, shout out to Tad. Um, he's a buddy of ours. Love that. Tad. I work with and uh he's he's always telling me about goose he's like dude you gotta check this band out they're like the hottest sort of like thing on the festival circuits right now like they're yeah. kind of you know and then uh pigeon pigeons, pigeons playing, playing ping, pong ping pong was another band absolutely i've heard, uh, definitely heard a lot of stuff about yeah that they band. do a great what's that talking head song uh they do a cover they uh, do psycho, psycho killer, killer. Oh. a crazy cover of that like i'll try to link that in the description if i remember too yeah, there's, but, and there's good. so many other bands to talk about because i mean we're if you just talk about new england there's yeah. i mean connecticut right now is like the jam band capital of the world everyone you moved know, here because everyone moved out of new york after yeah. after the pandemic and moved to connecticut so you have like hartford is swimming with these well i'm wondering musicians. if are like because our musical scene right now is very you know grateful dead you know leaning and it's been that way for probably the past you know coming on 10 years years now um i'm wondering if other places we're in the new england area we said that a couple times now but um if other places around the country are going through the same kind of um musical is your local music scene a lot of like jam music is because like that would be curious to know because we're doing an episode on what's going on in our area um and from the midwest in the history of festivals yeah like is there because around here there's been i mean mike was more on the festival scene about 10 years ago right yeah 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 maybe like 12 yeah yeah so i mean and that's still like something that's really still strong. So I would wonder if that's the same everywhere else. It seems that at least like the bigger bands that we mentioned with these giant fandoms are pushing yeah. um, a festival style narrative around their music yeah. anyway. But you know, it's just a curious thing because our local our local bands are are playing jam music. Yeah. I wonder if your local bands are playing jam music. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Um, so. To, in conclusion, so to speak, uh, you know, you listen to this podcast, you decide, you know what, I think I'm going to go to a festival. I think I'm ready to go to a festival. We thought a fun little segment would be... uh, And seeing that Roy just got back from one. And seeing that Roy just got back from one, yes, thank you. Uh, Maybe like Roy, we thought, Roy's survival guide to festival going. So maybe yeah, we, some do's and don'ts, some tips and tricks. That's what we want. We maybe want some of the vernacular. We want a seasoned hear. expert. So here's something. Here, the, the first thing I put on my list when they, because I because you hear people talking about this all the time. If you're gonna go to a festival, check the accommodations that are listed on the website. If they tell you that you 
have general admission camping. This does not mean you can camp with your car. This very well may mean that you have to walk your camping gear a long way away from where you're camping. So pack light. Don't yeah. go camping at a festival like you're going camping with your family for six days in the woods. It's a mistake. Bring a bring as little as you possibly can and try to make sure that you have the essentials. Like my essentials, I don't go to a festival without bringing my own toilet paper because I'm not going to rely. Oh, my God. On that's such a good else. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I am not going to rely on somebody else to replace the toilet paper in, in the portal potty. In a Ziploc bag. In a Ziploc. Very good, Jeffrey. Ziploc. Um, water. Zip always bring more water than you need. Yes. All so that stuff. That was my question. What kind of water too. are we doing here? Are we doing? Are we I bringing like, a case of water? I bring a case of bottles, bottles and yeah. then I also purchase a three-gallon container with the spigot for just about any camping trip I go because mm. it's you're not necessarily going to be close to a wash station. Mm. You're not going to necessarily have showers. These are things to check the and that would be just going back. Check the accommodations. Don't be mad at the. Don't be mad at the promoter. When you get to a festival, because you didn't check what the accommodations were, okay, yeah. it's your fault, not theirs. They yeah. they planned it exactly the way that they planned it, and you did not read the flyer. You hear this, you hear people complaining about promoters all the time. It's really like not an easy job. Big shout out to the people that put these shows on because this is kind of the future of live music viewing so support them it's important yeah. um I'm, i other essentials i mean make sure you make sure you're planning i mean the, the the idea of simple hydration you know make sure you're sleeping and make sure you don't end up in the med tent like cause yeah. what about a chair we bring in chairs we bring in no bring chairs. chairs yeah chairs. i bring a chair i usually bring i usually bring a campsite and jeff's shaking a, his head no on the chair yeah, but I, I go to things as light as possible. Are you squatting the whole time? Or you I just, just bring a blanket. And just sit on the ground? Yeah, and I mostly just stand and walk around. And Yeah. Also, you know, I could I could I possibly me. throw throw in... Let's hear it. Um, uh, stick together? Sure. Uh, my, again, Such my... Such a good... My, um, my experience so good was a system. little bit different in the sense that, like, not everybody had a smartphone when I went to Strange Street for the first time. Things are a lot different now. Communication with one another has become much more convenient. But when I had gone, you know, only some people had smartphones, you know? So it's like if you are, like, you know, if it's late, if it's, like, 1 a.m. and you got a buddy who, like, needs to go to the bathroom or wants to run and grab something to eat or something like that, accompany them, you know, like... Not, that's not uh, you know it's not a knock on the people who attend festivals but it's also just kind of like hey men stick together there are you know there's kind of shady folk anywhere sure. you go you know what i mean so like just yeah, I guess keep an eye simple, on each other stick together man that simple thought of leave your bad vibes at home too and if you're having a bad day don't party because <laughs> <laughs> um, you're only gonna too. make it bad for everybody else and yeah. yourself i am not a uh festival goer but a seasoned camper i'm going to throw out one uh get to know your neighbors who Big you're time. camping next yeah. to yeah. because um it will make you just uh, it'll make it so much smoother like anything you're going through hey can you watch my stuff real fast you might have some like you know, get to get to know your neighbors, introduce yourself, like see who you're camping next to. Maybe, oh, these are young teenagers. I don't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. That would be my last point um, on my little list here is carry your belong, your valuables, stay with you. I, uh, I have adopted yeah. the fanny pack because I carry yeah. my wallet, my keys, everything that could possibly stays on me. Yeah. Um, I don't ever leave money in my tent because if you don't leave money in your tent, can't get stolen. 
Yeah. You don't leave your phone in your tent. Can't get stolen. Yeah. Just pay attention. It's kind of like locking your car. And kudos to the fanny pack, too, because the fanny pack you can hold in front of you. You can do a backpack, but just be, you know, be aware. The backpack is behind you. So if somebody's behind you and you're kind of having a good time. And, and these you know, people you are gypsies. I've, <laughs> right? Someone's backpack is hitting me in the face of the show when I was a younger man. And I have unzipped this backpack and I did throw his crap out on the ground because it kept hitting me in the face. My man. I would say um, definitely bring solar charging um, oh, phone yeah. chargers yeah, yeah. or and or lights again ziploc bags because you never know even if it doesn't rain things are gonna get moist in the middle of the night in your tent um so you always want that so that way you can be in contact with people and to keep it real festivals going into the uh, mature rating if you're gonna do drugs at festivals my personal advice do drugs with people you know and don't buy drugs from people like that you don't yeah because if use, respon- if, if use responsibly. Have a, a good time, they, but use responsibly. Have fun with your friends. Do have testing. Yeah, have fun with your friends. Most but... of them will have a place to test drugs. Yeah. I don't condone it. Yeah. I'm not a not a big yeah. personal yeah. drug user, but yeah. that I definitely would rather see people being safe. And that yeah, goes yeah. that goes anything from drinking on up. You know, be safe. Take be care safe, of mindfulness. the people you're with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that is a a well pointed uh, thing in this day and age. Yeah, you know, to not talk about it, I think would be. A disservice in festival tips. Yeah. So there you have it. And trips. Um, some notable festivals, some fun local bands to check out. Can I, before we leave? Yes. If anybody has a quick festival story before we go that they think of is of note, I think our, our audience would like to hear it. But if Ooh. not, that's fine. If anybody has a quick story, though, I feel like we'd be um, remiss. Sure. Very quick story. I saw the band, uh, now defunct Turquoise. Uh, at a festival that Roy and I played at, uh, I think that was three summers ago, and uh, it's a nine. It was a nine-piece band, and they had a horn section, and we were camped right behind the stage. And this band's members were all like in single-color outfits. So one guy would be blue, one guy would be green. One Wiggles. guy in red, who was a sax player, he was walking by the stage, which was just a mud sinkhole pit with like craters of awfulness and we're all sitting there and i go this dude's about to lose it and like five seconds later he he walked and he was like knee deep in mud and he goes oh what the fuck <laughs> shout out to hey gregs from turquoise that's yeah. the man or the currently the horn section yes <laughs> that's yeah. i like that story thank you thank, thank you. you uh yeah, I don't know. I, 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 Mike, I mean, mine could be, I don't know. I don't want to say anything that could get me in some hot water. But I'm filtering I did, as we speak, Mike. I, uh, I, did, um, I did delve down a, uh, you know, uh, psychedelic journey, if you want to call it that. And it was funny because it wasn't going very well. But something that did kind of make me chuckle was that uh, we went, <laughs> we, we had got there late. We indulged, whatever, and I wasn't really feeling it. So I went back to the tent, and I was laying in the tent, and the people that were par- um, uh, camping next to us, they didn't know that I was in the tent, and they were relentlessly talking shit about us. They're like, these fucking assholes pitched their goddamn tent right next to our fucking tent. Like, what the fuck? And then 
I decided to get out of the tent and I like, got up and I stood up and they kind of like looked at me and we kind of exchanged nods and I just kind of carried on my <laughs> merry way and I was like, yeah, like if there's people, there's somebody in here, like I can hear you talking shit on me. But um, that's not, that's not even the worst of it, but you know, just a funny sort of, I like it, uh, sort of experience. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Also, I won't say exactly what happened at one experience, but also if you are doing drugs, try to do them discreetly and not just showing up at a stranger's campsite and doing particular types of drugs in front of people who are just kind of like hey man how about you don't freebase ketamine at noon on sunday in front of fucking everybody <laughs> just throwing that out there time and place everyone those time kinds of place. things happen man they kind of happen and we were like this is our this is our cue to go we're gonna we're, we're gonna get going all right i got one good tame one okay so at Wormtown 2019 we were camped on the infamous rachel lane um out in the woods and the people across from us were selling bong nuts. So you know how people have their the nuts that hang off of the bumper of their car? Yeah. They were making little glass nuts to hang off of your bong. Wow. So at nighttime, I mean, at nighttime. Crazy. This is fine line between. I love capitalism. Stupid. Okay. So at nighttime, they the spelled out something else. bong nuts. <laughs> in glow sticks in front of their property. And I personally planned a strategic operation and figured out which glow sticks needed to be moved to turn bong nuts into burnouts. <laughs> so they, I chained and I planned it and I did. It was only like you only had to move like five glow sticks and we turned their sign. So we don't know how long it took for them. I think I did it in front of them too. Like I walked. Yeah, right they didn't even realize. They're like, they didn't oh. even realize that I was doing it. I just walked into their campsite and changed the sign. But yes, that's my tame story. It was Roy, pretty that fun. Is that's a awesome. ten out of ten story. <laughs> um, to the makers of bong nuts. Hey, bong nuts fans. Hey, hey. bong nuts. If you want to sponsor this podcast. Reach we'll out to us. We will hang your nuts all over this set. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be surrounded yeah. by bong nuts. Um, that right was on. that was wonderful. Yeah, that was they, awesome. That Thank was, you for coming on, Roy. I can't think of a better way to end this episode. Yeah, bong nuts. Check us out. Uh, <laughs> as we wrap up, remember to like and subscribe and uh, comment and uh, share this podcast. Um, you know, we love you. And uh, thank you for hanging around with us for a hundred episodes man well, you made you, episodes you made it through, guys you made it through remote recordings through covid and all kinds of fun stuff with us what and, other uh, covid podcast has made it this long i want to yeah, know i want to know oh, leave it in the comments leave Uh-oh. it in the comments but he's going henry rollins on us <laughs> this is his war all right um so until next time guys this has been getting the garage thank you for thank you very me. much roy hool thank for you for coming on our podcast like and safe out there at these celebrate our folks. hundred year our hundred year our hundred episode hundred years. years we'll see you next time bye-bye This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.